Welcome back to Screenfish Radio. I am so glad you could join us this week as we are talking about Blackberry. We're talking about the, uh, the, the drama about the rise and fall of Canada's cell phone giant of the early 2000s. It's, a, it's been a big story and it's a big movie and I needed big guests. So I have phenomenal people here today. So excited to have Robert Bellissimo from Robert Bellissimo in the movies and Dave Hoyt from In the Seats and In the Seats with. Thank you gentlemen for coming on and chatting with me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, guys. I'm so glad you could join me. It, I love having, love our conversations, love having you on. Uh, and I'm excited to say that this is episode 198. We are almost there at episode wow. 200 and uh, really excited to, to, to hit a milestone. It's a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. But there's been a lot of people, a lot of friends to the show come on and chat about a lot of great films and some not so great films and it's been fun so uh thank you guys for being on 198. Uh, anytime anytime all right well let's talk blackberry blackberry tell is well just a second blackberry is based on the book losing the signal and tells the story uh hold on where'd my thing go of course it did lost my notes uh tells the story of the history of the BlackBerry line of mobile phones. One of the iconic rise and fall, one of the, hold on. Give me a second here. The, my write-up is not coming to me the way I had hoped. One second. I also, could be better at, uh, ah, here we go. That's what I wanted. Blackberry tells the story of the former corporate giants rise and fall as they pioneered the way that people interact through their phones and created the sparks of screen addiction that continue to be ignited in the coming years. The film is written and directed by Matt Johnson and stars Jay Barichell and Glenn Howerton and several, several other people. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Johnson, Sal yeah. Rubinick. This is what happens when I use my cell phones. Yeah. Stars Matt Johnson, Jay Barichell, Glenn Howerton, and a host of others. There's a lot of buzz about this film. I cannot wait to hear what you all think of Blackberry. Um, but before we do that, I'd like to have a conversation I've never had here because Blackberry is a uniquely... Canadian film, and I should say, as always, this con this uh, podcast is rated S for spoilers, just in case I miss it later. But people have called this a uniquely Canadian film. Sorry, it is a Canadian film. But all three of us are Canadian. And I don't honestly entirely know what a Canadian film is. And I am dying to hear from you both what your definition of Canadian film means to you. I'm going to let Robert go first on this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, both, we both had the same impulse to jump in on. Now we have to flip a coin at this point. <laughs> flip a loony. We have to flip a yeah, loony. Flip, I actually had a loony handy. I don't know where it went. He's doing um, it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can go first. I, 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 it's, 
It's an, you know, it's an issue, you know, because I, I know you asked in the group chat we have earlier that you were going to ask that. And, uh, you know, it makes me think, do Americans ask themselves what an American movie is? I, I don't know. Like, um, it's, 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 I, I, I suppose in a black and white sense, it's, if it's Canadian, if it's a Canadian story, um, Canadian produced, then it's a Canadian film, but, you know, then again, um, Francois Truffaut made a film that took place in Halifax, you know, the story of Adele H. And I'm not sure if there was any Canadian fun, but that's a Canadian story. I'm, I'm like, do people think of that as a Canadian film or do they think of it as a French film? Because it's Truffaut. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, and it, we've, we've, we and we've always had a lot of American stars in Canadian films. So, you know, do do Canadian films like Take This Waltz with Michelle Williams? If an American person or a Japanese person is watching that, does it really pop as a Canadian film? I mean, if you know Toronto, it does because look at the city. So, you know, it's it's a, such a tough question really but i i think for me personally it's that it's it's our forget you know uh, you take take away who produced it who directed it um it's it's about where where this where it where it takes place what is it about is it and it's about our the relationships and stories that are uniquely canadian i mean i would say you know, nothing is more Canadian than going down the road. I mean, that is from everything, literally came from Cape Breton to Toronto. It is, that really pops because so much about those guys' dreams were about going to the big city, you know, and then what ends up happening. So um, that is that is a very, you know, Canadian story uh, to me. So that's that's kind of the best answer I can I can think of. I'm sure Dave has a much better take on that. Uh, what do you think, Dave? <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting because while you are inherently right, I mean, something like going down the road obviously is very distinctly Canadian. And, in, you know, it's set in Canada. It's produced in Canada. And, I mean, I can think of a few others that stand out last night. Uh, you know, uh, you know, various Denny Arcand films, you know. Uh I mean, I, I the list could go on and on, but I really think because given the nature of how the business has changed and evolved, that we can't be looking at the Canadian story as, you know, oh, something that name dropped the street in Saskatoon or oh look, there's right. this tower. I think it's evolved beyond that because we've had so many storytellers work here, go down to the States, work there. We've had so many storytellers come up here and produce stuff for the world in our with our artisans and our behind-the-scenes people that defining what is quote-unquote Canadian has become a lot more complicated because at least from my perspective like on one end I mean something uh, you know Steve and I worked on recently something like the end of sex 
that's not a distinctly Canadian movie, but it's a completely funded and produced Canadian yeah. movie. It's one it's one of those things where we really need to take our sense of what it, it means to be a Canadian story and push it beyond what our traditional definition was. Because if we stay with oh well it's not a Canadian story, then you know, we're gonna be stuck with corner gas and beachcombers and going down the road and I mean things like that. The business has evolved so much and there is such a massive percentage of Canadian artisans, both in front of and behind the camera, who are working in Hollywood, that I would almost argue that Canadian stories are everywhere now, because we're producing and outputting so much quality talent who is, work who is working constantly on the global stage. You know, it's interesting you say that because um, now, if you're not Canadian, you probably wouldn't have known this, but and the like the Cineplex theaters, and we've talked a little bit of this before. For a while there, they had a you know one of their pre-film commercials that was in every film, and it was a made in Canada thing. But in there, in that, they would show Deadpool, they would show uh, Aladdin, you know, they would show all these major hmm. things. Back to the Future, yeah, and it was. It's not that the film, I guess Deadpool was actually made in Canada. Uh, Aladdin wasn't, unless maybe some of the VFX were up here, which is entirely possible, probably over in Vancouver. But like this, the claim of Canadian content is just, it's, it strikes me as such a very Canadian thing that we're like, oh, that's Canadian content too. Um, because we have Canadians over in Hollywood that are doing this as if to say, you know, don't worry, we've made it because we've we've got it in Hollywood because Hollywood is the whether it's accurate or not, at least in the West, the the financial stamp of filmmaking is sort of like Hollywood, like that's the glitzy thing. I mean, certainly in the West and the East, there'd be all sorts of conversations as well. But when you think of Top Gun, and when you think of you know all these when it comes to the high level nine yeah. figure kind of productions, yeah, absolutely, no, that is true. But I mean, at the same time, it's you know you've got to look at something like uh, Dennis Hopper's Out of the Blue, which he shot entirely yeah. up here in Canada. Do you define that as a Canadian movie? It's mm -hmm. it's difficult. Be, I mean, you could you could make an argument that you know the the new schwarzenegger show coming on to netflix is a canadian production because guess what they shot it up all all up here yeah and so many people worked on it. it it's one of those things where as much as as important as it is to support canadian artisans and canadian talent i think there does have to be a push past what it means to be a canadian story like if we're Canadians and we're telling a story, then it's a Canadian story. That's you know how I, I mean? see it. That's how I see it. You know, like the end of sex is not a Canadian story, but it's Canadians telling a, we're telling a story. Hence, it is a Canadian story. Exactly. And it's and it's in Canada. It's not anywhere, really. I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess they do. I haven't seen that, but I I guess the location doesn't necessarily pop or matter much to 
Because I mean, I think you know, we lean a little bit more on the, Oh, they're on Young Street. Oh, look, yeah. it's the CN Core. You know that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's co- it's complicated. We we've had like you know, like I mentioned to both of you, the Jeff Pavir, who's a well-known Canadian critic. We we did a whole talk about Canada's history, and we we've had a a rich history, but a, a complicated one, right? And and we're a young country. And most people are used to consuming American films. And it wasn't really until the NFB started producing feature films in the 60s that there was a, you know, a quote unquote Canadian new wave that had its ups and downs. And there was the tax shelter days and, you know, and, and the 90s, there was Cronenberg um, and, and Egoian. And I mean, those guys were around in the 80s too, but um it's, you know, and then there's the whole Hollywood North label, right? And it's kind of like we've, they've been able to turn Toronto into Chicago, New York. So it's like, it's, 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 we're invisible in a sense. <laughs> we're sort of, we could, we could disguise ourselves in so many ways. And then when we're, when we're not disguising ourselves, people don't quite recognize it as Canada. It is very bizarre. It is really a bizarre, um, thing you know and and i and as as someone who lived abroad for a while as soon as people met me they even americans met me they'd say oh where are you from in the states right because unless you're from you know saskatchewan or or other parts of canada where they have a really distinctive accent i mean most people hear our voices they think we're american right so we're we're not i mean we're different yet not different in 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 a general sense just from appearance and voice and accent and stuff again unless you're in really specific parts so it's 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 interesting yeah it's interesting i mean it's that's a lot it's a long it, it would be a whole podcast to discuss this i think you know it, i i think you're absolutely right and i think i think it's so canadian that we can't put a finger on what it means to be Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, think, exactly. I think that's the very thing. Uh, I no, but I mean, Steve, Steve, let me interrupt you. I think that is the finger because we as a, as a, as a country have evolved to such a point where we are so diverse and we are so diversified. Like you can't say that, you know, Rice Boy Sleeps isn't the Canadian movie. It's a distinctly Canadian movie because it's the immigrant story of someone coming to Canada yeah, and them adapting yeah. and then going home. And I mean, that is very much a Canadian story. Yeah. You know, I remember a few years back uh, during the film festival, uh, during TIFF, they had uh, a screening of The Great, uh, the Grand Seduction with uh, Taylor Kitsch was there, Brennan Gleeson, and oh, who's the director? um he was in uh highway 61 and last night he directed last night who directed oh, last it was don night? mckellar yeah don it was McKellar. Don, McKellar. don mckellar so it's don mckellar taylor kitch brennan gleason in this uh in this q a and and i got a question and i was very excited about this this was years ago i got a question and i said you know i'm wondering what to you it means to to use the canadian voice because this is a film takes place in Halifax, you know, or Halifax, no, uh, is it? Yeah, I think it's out, it's certainly out in, in yeah. America. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, it was the best. It, the answers were the best because McKellar, of course, I think he's from Toronto. Says yeah, he is. He is, yeah. Yeah. 
He says, I don't really think of it as a Canadian voice. I think of it as a Toronto voice and a Halifax voice and a Vancouver voice, like, like you're saying here. And I'm like, oh, that's a good answer. And Brendan Gleeson, Irish <clears throat> Brendan Gleeson steps in and he goes, I'll tell you what it means to be Canadian. And he goes, it's cause y'all are so nice. That's what yeah. it means. And I'm like, <laughs> No, that answer was the most Canadian answer I've ever heard. Yours was the most outside Canadian answer I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what people outside of Canada think. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing to be known for. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember when I lived abroad, that's what everyone thought. Oh, you're so nice over there. And, and, and you know, you don't get upset. I'm like, what? <laughs> That was okay. Boston. You just got so yeah. bad. Yeah. What are you getting upset for? You're you're from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I'm glad we're talking about this because there is so many different aspects to a Canadian film, and it's funny because thinking of Blackberry, I I hesitate to say this, but I definitely I it's it was what went through my mind, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. I came out of it saying that feels like an American Canadian film. Like it felt American. And I don't know why that was the word that came to my head. Um, so when we're talking about Blackberry, it feels like a rags different... to riches kind of it's it's a it's a in a way it's a very classical story. It's the rags to riches to rags. <laughs> the, uh, the the rise and fall. To the which we've seen in America so so much, but uh, I know what you mean because I think it's that we don't often see Canadian films, at least I haven't, where it's like that ruthless ambition. That's a very American. But Canadian, I'm not saying Canadians aren't like that, but but uh, Americans are very known for that American dream and that ambition, and we see that in the film. And they're all they're all you know these are Canadian, real Canadian people, and. Um, they they have a they have a real ruthless ambition, so I can see why one would feel, um, you know, th that feels like an American thing. I mean, in an obvious way, to me, anyways. And it has a certain sense of scope as well. Like it's running around, it's taking place in different places. Like we had, we do. There is there does tend to be a preconceived notion that. You know, Canadian films play out like a like an Eric Romer film, like like you're going to be in someone's living room for the entire film. Right. This is not that kind of movie. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that you know what, and I think I, that actually helps me clarify it because I I see what you're both saying, and and it just felt like a big film. Like when growing up, growing up when. Um, you know, we, when we watched Canadian films in, in university, and I say that because even if you had them available, like for me, my friends and I never sat down and said, oh, let's check out the latest like Canadian, Canadian indie film to come on the scene in the 90s. You weren't like, watching Adam McGuigan films when you were in university. No, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, like those, that would be where I would see them, like in general. Of course, like we we're saying, now things have changed in, in in all sorts of things, and they're much more accessible. They're much more available, um, but they did feel smaller. Even even like a bigger one, like a Cronenberg film. Like there's something about, I guess the 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 
the stereotype, if you will, of a Canadian film, and I'm not saying it's accurate, certainly not now, but it was that they were smaller films that felt more character focused and, and more single, not single locations as in, like you said, in the, in the living room, but certainly more tight, more tight in their yeah. scope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, Dave mentioned Romer. I mean, like perfect example. I mean, they, they felt they, generally speaking, again, they have more of a French new wave film. I mean, you look at uh, the Ernie game, or like I mentioned, uh, going down the road. I mean, they all felt very European, <laughs> you know, very, like you said, very character driven, uh, somewhat cynical, you know, not really, not always ne necessarily trusting um, that your dreams are going to come true in that American sense, you know? I mean, I don't, Jeff Pavier said that, and I don't, I, I'm not sure if I, I mean, I think there's truth to that. I mean, we don't, I don't think Canadians necessarily are, we're not necessarily that idealistic in, in, in that, in that Republican kind of fashion, right? So yeah, in a way we've, we have, it's it's been very much more of a European influence and a documentary influence. I mean, a lot of those great filmmakers came from the NFB, right? Mm -hmm. So they were showing life as it unfolded, and of course there were dramatic structures and heightened storytelling, right? But uh, the documentary from Bruce McDonald to to uh, uh, Don Owen to Don, Donald Shabib, it's the documentary has been a major influence on filmmaking, really. And also, I mean, especially just to go back to your point with the European style, like we do tend to forget that, especially in like the 50s and the 60s, like sort of the center of the creative world when it comes to Canada and film was, was Montreal. It wasn't necessarily, right. it was not Toronto. So true, true. that French Canadian influence uh, is there. And I mean, it's even even now, like we're kind of isolated from so many interesting French Canadian films that go on even right now. But I mean, when you look at, I mean, anyone from a Villeneuve or like, you know, the work, you know, the early stuff from Jean-Marc Vallée or, or filmmakers yeah. like Benny Cote, they exist inside their own bubble as well. And I mean, as much as they are still very Canadian, they're separate from what the, the definition or what people try to define Canadian cinema as. Right. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, living in Quebec is not living in Toronto right that, you know, they're, they're the French Canadian, it's a whole other culture, just like living in the South is a whole other culture in America than living in New York. You know, if you're living in Texas or New York, New York, you know, which is kind of funny in some ways, because when we look at, and I know that uh, Oscar glory is not by any means the gold standards of success. I understand that. But when you look at it, things are mentioned in the foreign language film category because they're coming out of Quebec. You know, right. uh, the, I think our only winner for a film, uh, specifically Canadian film, is Barbarian Invasions. And it was French language, and we've had a few other nominees. And, uh, yeah. But uh, it, it's, there's, from that landscape, that's sort of the perception. It's like, oh yeah, we've got all these Canadians working in the industry, but Canadian film is, here and uh it's fascinating to me i do think there's a a canadian aesthetic you know and i don't mean like i don't mean like visuals or anything i mean just ideas embedded in the story i think we write 
stories a little differently when it's when it's a screen right screen written story. Um, I'm trying to remember I think it was I, I, I know I was talking to Dave about this before I think, for example, at the time after the post came out, I think it was the next year the front runner came out, uh, which was um, uh, Reitman was it Reitman that did the front runner Jason Reitman I believe so yeah I think so. But it's interesting because they're very similar stories, but there were different things that were emphasized. Yeah. And I feel like that was a very Canadian, it's not a Canadian story, but it, there's a Canadian influence just from the fact that it was written by Reitman. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Mm. No, I mean, you know, it's, it's really interesting as well because it's just, we've really gotten to a stage where, and this is a bad example because it's TV, but, where things like Shit's Creek are getting sort of mass acceptance down south and globally, where something like right. Son of a Critch is getting picked up and run internationally, just convenience, other things like that. These are very sort of diverse pieces of entertainment. And I mean, I think from a Canadian standpoint, if we're going to put our stamp on something when it comes to exporting not just talent but exporting content as well is just i would say our ability to be diverse because we have talented crews who can work on you know multi-million dollar netflix shows or we can have uh you know independent filmmakers who are doing you know one shots uh while people are doing monologues in the back of their car you know i mean it's it's no different than so many other uh, like national film cultures. And it's so interesting too, because I mean, especially given the, the, the booming stream and, and what happened sort of with Korea and Parasite and sort of the broader acceptance of uh, Asian and East Asian content. It's like, I think we're at the stage, or at least we're evolving to the stage where it's like, okay, this was produced there, but who cares if it's that kind of movie or that kind of movie? We just want it to be a good movie or a good TV show. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is interesting to me how television has been easier to to to, to pick up over the border, and I'm using over the border as a as a standard of success and yeah rightly or wrongly i'm using that in this in this in this thought something like like schitt's creek or uh, even corner gas was a huge hit in the u.s yeah. not to the yeah. same level but it was it was a big it was a big deal but it seems like tv maybe that's just the canadian comedy mindset i don't i don't know but uh, i think part of it's that but i mean it's just a question of I mean, I would say defining, I mean, again, what it means to be a Canadian film. I mean, you know, Scream 6 was a big success. They shot it all in Montreal. Tons of crew, behind-the-scenes people, extra whatnot, but obviously the writers, directors, the sort of primary talent are all imported. So is it Canadian? No, it's not Canadian, but it's not not Canadian either. <laughs> That's what makes this so difficult. Yeah. Which again makes it such a fascinating conversation. It's like, and very Canadian. Canadian, like uh, growing up, I, 
the idea of the Canadian identity is like such a myth and yet not. I, I like that we talked about it being so regional because I think that is what Canada is. You know, we're not the melting pot. We are the mosaic. So what is, and in those regions are sub-regions. So, <coughs> excuse me, a Toronto story looks different depending on who's telling it. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, and, and Canada seems more open to that than sort of the general, like a New York story or what is told as a New York story is generally sort of expected to to look and feel a certain way, I think. Either gritty and dirty and filled with crime and Italian Americans, or it's, you know, the the Jewish American, you know, stressing over his bagel and locks and, you know, oh my God, my mother's coming over. You know, it's the stereotypes that we, as much as we have them as Canadians, we've almost pushed the, push them out of the out of the spectrum a little bit just with our sort of ability <coughs> to embrace that mosaic like you say we probably could have had something like that in toronto like oh of course yeah because I, you know what i mean like we have so much of those similarities with new york um but you know again there's just not there just there just hasn't been you know i don't know why they're just there just hasn't been enough of it for whatever reason. I mean, there are the Italian sectors, the Jewish sectors, Chinatown. We have all those diverse pockets everywhere, right? It's is that melting pot. Um, but yeah, we just and we haven't had them. I think it's just we've gotten to a point, given the onslaught of content that the general public is seeing. I'm not counting guys like us, but just the general public. More people are starting to notice it. It's not like it was never not there. It's just now it's being noticed. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And that gives, that's probably a, a half decent segue there to a Canadian film getting noticed. And that's Blackberry. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear from you both what you thought of Blackberry. Robert. <laughs> I love that I'm always first. Um, no, I love I love the film. I really enjoyed it. I saw a little TV segment about it not long ago, and I'm not sure who the guy was talking about it, and he had a real enthusiasm for it. And I even I thought, oh, that looks interesting because I I had no idea that black the guys who invented BlackBerry were some guys in Waterloo. I I didn't know that. I had no idea. I never had a BlackBerry. I didn't know anything about the history of BlackBerry. And I thought it was a really exciting film um, that was told in a way which I imagine must have been challenging because there's so many details in terms of how they did it. Uh, what And then the, the act two really is the threat of how it was nearly taken away from them. And then we have act three, which is the downfall. And they really go into the details of how all that happened without it feeling like a pure documentary. Because I think at the heart of it, it is about these, these three guys. And I think the other challenge, though, is that they're, the, um, they're not really, they're, it's not like they're all bus, best buds. I mean, the only guys who, from my impression, <laughs> who were close were who uh, Baruchel played and who uh, Matt Johnson played because who uh, Glenn Howerton played, Jim uh, 
Basili. Uh, I hope I have that right. Um, he's he's not their buddy at all. I mean, he was there. He is like the shark. Um, and in a way, they're all stock characters, but in a in a good way. I don't mean that in a um, as an insult because you can still use types and turn it into a real high stake situation and for these guys who were like going bankrupt and were terrible at business and that again it's that unlikely situation where you you were where these people who would never hang out you know these tech guys with this rich shark would never hang out and have a beer but the common interest is the business and getting this phone up on the market and that they needed each other and we i mean i thought it was told beautifully what all their motives were in terms of G uh, Jim Balsillie having lost his job, needing this, um, this opportunity. And of course, what was driving him was to get to the NHL. And I thought they did that and they didn't really spoon feed anything. They didn't, he didn't, Matt Johnson didn't have people go and like just spell out exactly what they wanted and why uh, with him. We see him every now and then watching hockey. And I thought, why, why do they keep showing him watching hockey? And then we see in really what it's about. This is about owning an NHL team, if not more. And which was, a, which was also interesting in the middle, because I thought, why is this guy so interested in saving this company? Because he's already become so wealthy. But if you think about it, it's not just about the wealth. It's about the power. It's about walking into Blackberry's office every day. It's about the assistance. It's about people kissing your ass. It's, I mean, he's a total asshole from the beginning to the end. I mean, there's a brilliant performance from Glenn Howard. I mean, he was perfect, I thought. I mean, it's hard to believe he is not this guy. And I just thought that was really interesting in a character sense because this guy, none of this means anything to him uh, emotionally. It's just, it's about being on top. And really, this is about getting to the NHL, who it really meant the most to, I thought, was Doug, who Matt Johnson played. Because uh, Mike uh, Lazaridis, who Jay Baruchel played, I mean, he was obviously a tech guy too. And his arc was so interesting because he was this timid person who couldn't even stand up to himself. And then by the third act, He's um, he's he's not he's not too unlike Jim Valsili. I mean, he's got a massive ego and he'll do anything to compromise himself in order to win and, and to keep this business intact. Uh, so that to me must have been challenging for, you know, Matt Johnson and the screenwriters here to sit down and say, how are we going to make this a really compelling story about people? Because and also cover all these details about what happened, so the audience has a real understanding. That must have been really challenging. And I never had the impulse. You know, sometimes you watch a movie, whether it's a true story, it's a book, and you think, "I'm going to go read the book," or "I'm going to go," and that could be okay. I'm not saying, "Oh, we shouldn't do that," or "I'm going to go read about all the facts." I never had the impulse to do that because I felt that I just what he what they were communicating. I could get emotionally invested in and I, and it was so satisfying that it, I didn't feel anything was left out. I didn't, you know, that, that was just for me. Um, so I thought it was a wonderful film. I, I thought really, I thought it was great. I mean, I can go on, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw it over to you guys and we'll, we'll bounce off of one another at this point. <laughs>
David? All right. David well. like it. <laughs> no, no, no. I've been waiting for this. I did like this movie. I did not love this movie. But let me tell you why. Admittedly, I am saddled with a few extra caveats that you gentlemen are not. Uh, I have seen all of Matt Johnson's work. You guys haven't. No. Uh, no. Matt. I had only just heard of him. So I'm going to go Matt see his other movies. Has a habit of playing the exact same character in everything that he produces. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I mean, I mean, so does Ryan Reynolds. Um, he liked Deadpool. He, he plays Deadpool in every single movie. What about Barry? Is he in that? I love Barry. Ryan yeah, he's in, he's in a coffin the whole time. Oh, <laughs> he's buried underground. That's more oh, buried. I thought you yeah. meant Barry, like the HBO. Oh, show. No. Like that's not him. <laughs> no, uh, put the yeah, G in there. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. When you're a filmmaker and a storyteller, it's different from being an actor. And when you're inserting yourself in that fashion, it it runs the risk of being. Like it's on the brink of being grading. Because do you feel because it's making it more about him and what people know he he does? A little bit, wise? yes. Okay, well that's interesting. And I can I mean, see that I don't know him at all, so. And I mean, the man has unequivocal talent. He is a very good filmmaker. Like I mean, uh, his second film, Operation Avalanche, I think is definitely one of his better ones. And I mean, he is a very distinct style. He is a talented, talented filmmaker, but there are elements of what this film does which run the risk of sort of aping other things that he's done and just getting himself into very much a bit of a repetitive rut. I'm not saying these are bad. I'm not saying anything he does in the film is bad. Like, it's a very well-made film, but as a talent, it definitely feels like he's on the bit of a precipice. He could either go one way and be a really interesting storyteller and a filmmaker, or he could go the other way and just be the the one-note eccentric Canadian wonder who does, you know, weird, quirky movies over and over again. And I mean, just to correct something that you were saying before, and I mean, I find it interesting that, Rob, you were you were sort of emotionally satisfied with everything that was coming out on the screen i mean which is fine but i mean the filmmakers have also been very honest and truthful with the fact that they played pretty fast and loose with the actual facts well i figured that what happened in the story yeah. as well i i figured i figured that was the case because it it not as a criticism but it it, it felt like a movie <laughs> like it felt yeah. it just had this very like i said the characters are types the rise and fall, the fall again. I, I figured that, but again, I, you know, I, I'm just judging the film. So, I mean, if I knew the whole story, I may feel like, oh, you know, but I, it, it had um, a simplicity yet somewhat of a complicated relationship between these three guys, which was appealing to me because who Matt Johnson's plays, he, he never really stands up to uh Baruchel to say like he does a little bit but I think maybe perhaps in what we're 
in another style of this kind of film, you, you'd see more of a fighting between the three of them. And, you know, hey, Mike, what the hell are you doing? This is not what we're all about. And I like how he kind of was always just, he was always on the back pedal. He always just couldn't quite do it, which to me made it interesting, just the dynamic, as opposed to just making it very direct. It was a little more indirect for me, which I found appealing. They were not all well-connected, which appealed to me. But that was just me. That was just me. To me, I took that as Bar from just as Baruchel being ever so slightly out of his depth as an actor to play this part. He was putting in the work. I give him all the credit in the world. But it definitely felt like he was having a problem overcoming some of the Jay Baruchel-isms that audiences from previous films know him for. And it was, again, it was one of those things where it just took me out of the moment a little too much. I mean, I think, I mean, and you mentioned this before, I mean, I think the real star out of this story is Glenn Howerton, because, I mean, he was absolutely... Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, he was he was playing a son of a bitch, but, I mean, he did a very good job of playing a son yeah, of a bitch. Yeah, he was incredible, and I don't know him at all. Uh, I was looking at his filmography, and he—I mean, he even he he's in looked, Top Gun. He's in Top Gun. Is he? Okay, yeah. I haven't seen. I, I like, haven't what? seen Top Gun. Um, but it's amazing just by putting the bald cap on him. I didn't read. I mean, unless they shaved his head, they shaved I mean, it. it Look, they okay. They shaved. I it. I think they shaved I it mean, morning every morning. I think if I remember correctly. Oh wow! Because it yeah now now that yeah now that I'm looking at it, it's not so so obvious. But anyways. Um, when you look at his reg regular headshots, like holy shit, doesn't even look like the same guy. But I agree. I mean, he was certainly the best. I mean, he had like probably the the, the most interesting part. Um, but again, Barishel, I mean, I know him a little bit. I mean, no, I mean, how can you not know him, especially if you're from Canada? Um, but uh, I, you know, I, 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 I can't say I. I can't say I, I necessarily agree because I, I thought he was really good, particularly in the third act, because it's tricky when you could see that things were crumbling, but he had to pretend that things weren't crumbling. And I liked how <laughs> when he was like pitching everybody on all these ideas and everyone's kind of like, oh, well, Apple's doing this and I don't think this is going to work. He was still saying it in a way where you could see he didn't quite believe it, but he was trying to hide that. That's that's challenging to act. Um, so I I I thought he I thought he was great. I mean that, but that's just me. That's just my personal opinion. But maybe if I knew more of his work, I'd agree with Dave more. But that was just just me. I don't know how uh, how you felt, Steve, about performance wise. But well, you guys are gonna laugh at me because I thought that Howerton was the weakest one of the three. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll tell you why. That's interesting. And, and, and I say that with high praise because I thought Howerton was, he was like a force of nature. Like he, yeah. every, every scene. He was ferocious. He was. But yeah. my one, my one criticism, and I thought the film was fantastic. I actually liked, I hear everything you're saying. Uh, I have zero affiliation with Matt Johnson's work. So he did not bother me because I can understand Dave, if this is what he does all the time, that would bother you. It does. I didn't know. I, I don't know his, his stuff. I thought Baruchel was allowed to be Baruchel at the beginning because his character was allowed to be Baruchel. Yeah, yeah. Very no, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But I thought Howerton, who was amazing, I loved watching Howerton, was just a little one note for me. Like he was just evil. He was evil when it started and he was evil when it ended. And I was okay. I was okay with that because I think that was the part. It was kind of like, it's like DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street, which I don't, and I, Scorsese is one of my, I mean, it's funny because he used to be my favorite and he's, he's dropped over the years. I've just, I mean, he's great, but, but anyways, uh, DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street's like that. He's, but I, but that's also just the part. He's, he's, he's somewhat, he's just an ambitious kid, but very quickly he's evil as hell uh, until the end. But for me, this one was easier because there was a more of a balance between the three, whereas that film, he's the fucking main character, yeah. right? So it's like, I can't take this guy for three and a half hours. But, you know, there was, uh, it's kind of like uh, Kingsley in Sexy Beast. He's, he's, it's brilliant and he's, but he's evil from beginning to end, but there's a balance with the three. Right. So, I didn't mind it for, but I know what you mean, uh, Steve. It's not always easy to to take that, but it worked for me in this sense. I got to throw an added little asterisk next to it, just because I was, I find this interesting. He's the American in the cast, and yes. I'm not say, I I just I I think as as the you know we were talking before about, and I'm not saying any. I love America. Well, he's one of the American. American. Pardon? Yeah, one. Yeah, there's one of the Americans. Right. Fair, but but yeah. but Carrie Elwes isn't Carrie you know? Elwes, of course. You're yeah. right. But of the three, and he's allowed to to be the the business minded like let's go, uh, character, which we we indicated earlier isn't what you typically associate with Canadian aesthetic. I just thought it was interesting, but I thought he's amazing. But that was my thought. That was my thought. I thought the film was great. And actually, I want to take that one step further because I, I know I've, I talked about this with Dave a little bit. I actually think the film is next level Canadian. And I would say that for the simple reason that I feel like, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I'm just saying, I feel like Lazaridis's character and Balsley's character are held up as the the opposite sides of the Canadian mental coin. So for example, you've got the stereotypical character who is is humble, quiet, even 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 too nice to swim with the sharks. And then you've got the one who clearly has the ha, is is on fire is it, you've got Balsley who's on fire. He wants to conquer. But as you can see, as the film progresses, has to do with his own insecurities about about who he is. You know, this drive for the NHL is all about proving his worth to to everybody yeah. else. And I just thought that was two interesting, interesting uh, people to hold up against each other. I, I throw that idea out to see what you think. I was actually so glad at the end when they turned him down from the NHL because they said, basically said to him, we don't like you, (laughs) you know, we don't like your character. And I thought, yeah, good, good. Because he, he, you're right. I mean, he was just the way he treated like the pilot uh, in his, in his private plane, there's just those moments, uh, people in the office, he was, he was a monster. So I, I was glad that, 
his 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 dream, his, like his actual dream, didn't come true because he was a jerk. Now, what the real guy was like, I don't know. Uh, oh, he was a, oh, he was a jerk. <laughs> I'm sure he was. <laughs> do you know the story? Like, do 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 you remember the story at all, Robert? Like, that's I don't what... know. I don't know anything about this. See, I this what scares me about this is how much I remembered. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, it's interesting. including the NHL. Now, obviously, I wasn't sitting in the boardroom, but I remember watching. Like, he was trying to bully his way in. Yeah. Yeah. And and bring a team to to Hamilton. Actually, there was I remember the Toronto Star, if I remember correctly, had two concentric circles because the NHL had uh, an unofficial rule that you're not supposed to have a team within 100 kilometers or something, 100 miles of of the next team. And so between Buffalo and Toronto, what's right in the middle of this Venn diagram outside the circles is Waterloo. So there was a lot of conversation about oh, that, okay. um, that really, and I remember the NHL just sort of said, no, <laughs> and everybody's like, what's going on? I even remember them arguing about the click, like the click of the BlackBerry phone was going to bring it back. I remember that conversation. Yeah. Oh, so, so it was less to do with how people felt about him and more to do what you just said, the, the, the distance and all that. No, I think that was, he was, he was determined. He was okay. like his, he was bound and determined based on what I read in the paper. Like, obviously I don't know the guy, but everything I read about him was that he was bound and determined to get a team, a second team up here in the GTA or in the Southern Ontario. Oh, okay. Right. He was okay. going to do it. And he was trying to find every single loophole to get his way in. It was fascinating to watch. I remember. Oh, interesting. Huh. And just just to backtrack a little bit to correct you, Steve, uh, Glenn Howerton actually wasn't in Top Gun. You were thinking Glenn oh, Powell. My mistake. <laughs> Same guy. Both named Glenn. I apologize. He was on. He was on a show. I just looked because again, I'm I'm not a TV oh, guy. Oh, in Philadelphia. That that yeah, I read that. Which I mean, that rung a bell, and I was like, okay, but yeah, again, just a a phenomenal performance, and and. And I know so many people because, you know, I wear a few different hats in, in this industry and so many people I recognize in this, which was so great to watch uh, a film and see so many people. Uh, so many of the, ba the background performers I knew, uh, a couple of people with small parts. Uh, one of the guys who had a small part in it works where I, cause I work part time at Roy Thompson Hall. He's one of these, like the bartender, <laughs> he's, one of, he's one of the bartenders there. It was just so like you, it was so weird in a way to be like, Oh my God, I know all these people. Uh, and I reached out to someone who I knew in it. And he said it was it the way they shot it. Cause we have this, this, you know, documentary style approach. I mean, it's very, uh, you know, shaky, steady cam shots. I mean, the doc, the documentary style really pops, and I think that was a good way to to do a story like this because it has a documentary feel to it with all these facts, and of course, it's a true story. And he said the cameras often weren't even anywhere near anyone; they were they were far away from everyone, and to to just give that freedom, uh, I imagine, and and to to let it play out, and and so that roughness rough around the edges style uh i thought worked also worked well for uh for a story like this yeah it's it's funny how that style has evolved over the last decade like in, in all seriousness just on a grand a grand scale and i will say just to apologize to 
Glenn Powell, Glenn Howerton. <laughs> I've clearly confused Top Gun with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is very similar film or very similar content. So that, that's on me. Um, but the documentary style, I mean, it's funny how that has infiltrated pop culture. Like, I mean, through like for, for the longest time, that's what comedies, that's what television has become or not yeah. now, but for a while, that's what it sort of evolved into. Um, and it works when done. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the office, like, you know, cutting, I mean, the only difference here is that they don't cut for like the interviews and stuff like they did in that show. But yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I haven't really thought deeply about why that happened, but it certainly did. And if you go back into film history, anytime they shot something on the street, people would say it, it's, oh, this is like a documentary style, right? Because it was, it wasn't really done that often. And and now, I mean, I mean, to shoot outside is, I mean, everybody shoots outside. It's we're not we're not on Warner Brothers lots all the time. So, but it's it's interesting. It has sort of become the norm in in a lot of at least for TV. Um, feature films, I'm not too sure. I don't know nowadays. And this is Johnson's style. Like all of his other films are right, definitely right. done in this style. Yeah, I heard that. Now, are there other Johnson works that you that you did enjoy, Dave? I know that you like you've said it's sort of his his character that he plays is sort of becoming almost rating. But is there are there other films of his that you've actually really enjoyed? Well, I mean, uh, the one I enjoyed the most would probably be his second one, which is called uh, Operation Avalanche. And I'm just pulling up the synopsis now. Bear with me. Yeah, it's set in 1967 during the height of the Cold War, where two young CIA agents, uh, one of which is Matt Johnson, go undercover at NASA to investigate a possible Russian mole. In disguise as documentary filmmakers, they tap phones and break into offices while purporting to learn more about the Apollo project. But when they end up uncovering a shocking NASA secret and a major government cover-up, they decide to embark on a new mission that puts their own lives at risk. I'll have to really check good. that out. <laughs> I, I'm curious. I'm curious, Dave, because I, I understand what you're saying that you feel like he's played this type of guy so often. So, you know, it makes you feel like, okay, is this more about him? It's like a repeat in a sense. I don't know if you were like a Woody Allen fan or not, but did you feel that way about Woody Allen's films when he was playing a similar type in every film? Yes, because I mean, obviously, with sort of the earlier period, Woody, you know, again, when you're discovering it, if it's a better movie, you're 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 accepting of it. But I mean, at a certain point, it gets it gets tiresome. And I mean, ironically, I think some of my more favorite, like my favorite Woody Allen movies, at least of recent memory, are the ones that he hasn't been in. Right. You know, stuff like Midnight in Paris and, you know, Matchpoint, things like that. It's that sort of late 80s, 90s period where he was awkwardly inserting himself. It, right. That that just was not working for me. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I was just curious. So, so let me ask you this then, in terms of the story, um, at, regardless of his character, I know you said you liked the film with an asterisk, but I mean, um, 
like how do you feel about his his visual style because we talked a little bit about documentary documentary style and and sort of the energy and the script that that he sort of brings uh outside of his performance how did you feel about the film it's strong but at the same time i want to see something i want to see him do something else like a marvel movie well no not no shut up (laughs) (laughs) romantic comedy maybe next time just something a little more nuanced and different because i mean again and i think my initial reaction was again sort of reacting to the the overwhelming love for the film and i mean like i said and i will reiterate this again i enjoyed the film i will watch it again and i mean if it gets any kind of eyeballs onto other canadian cinema if someone goes oh this guy's canadian oh i wonder what else you know maybe i should go see another canadian film then it's done its job but i want to see him do something different otherwise he runs the risk of just being yet another independent quirky auteur who will just fall back into his similar patterns and he'll have his fans and there's nothing wrong with that but there's potential for more right absolutely that's fair totally fair well i i wanted to ask you guys this this is a weird question it's um i want to go back to the film's content before i i thinking of the diet like triad but I'm, I'm gonna say maybe really in some ways Lazaridis is torn between two sides uh there's Johnson's character I forget what his character's name is uh you mentioned it earlier but anyway you've got Johnson's character and you've got Balsley um I wondered your thoughts since we've talked about Canadian ideas about being nice it seems silly to it seems sort of strange to ask that question but this is a film that argues that you can't be nice and succeed. Oh, is, right. that, is that the way that the world works to you? I was, I'm glad you brought that up because I thought that was a really interesting uh, moral, not necessarily a lesson, but something for people to think about. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, he says, uh, Jim says that to Mike in the car before they go to New York. Uh, before they go to the airport and you know he wants to uh, Mike wants to bring Doug and he's like forget about that guy he's a goofball (laughs) and he's like and he and he does say something along the lines of you know success your how successful you're you're gonna be is is based on how much you're willing to um uh, uh sacrifice and you know again that it's something to think about. And here's, here are these guys who sacrificed, uh, not taking Doug aside, more Mike and Jim, who, who sort of sacrificed any kind of moral center for everything that they dreamed of. And look what happened, right? So I got the, you know, you know sure enough, yeah, if, you're, if you want to succeed, yeah, there are certain things you do have to sacrifice. But are you willing to sacrifice to sacrifice everything to be this successful as these successful as these guys wanted to be? Uh, I would say I would say you know I would say no because you're just going to destroy yourself, right? And look what happens, right? Like to, particularly to um, the the what's this character's name again? Uh, Jim Balsilli. 
at the end, you know, like what they say to him, we don't like you, you know, your, your character is awful. Right. And, and this guy, he didn't, he did, we never see him with any family or chill. I'm not saying you have to have that, but we don't see any kind of human relationships outside of his work. Right. You know, so it's, he was all about this and it blew up in his face. Right. So it's interesting. Yeah. I think clearly the film was saying, don't listen to this guy. <laughs> there always has to be limits. Yeah. And I mean, I, the key, the key point, the key linchpin in the story in reality in here was sort of that moment where they had gone above sort of the 500,000 units that they could sell and Jim kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Mike was happy. Mike was like, hey, we've been successful. We just sold half a million units. That's fantastic. And Jim was like, no, it's not enough. Right. That's where the Jay's character, Mike Lazarus, definitely kind of lost his way and didn't sort of put the foot down and be like, you know what? There's okay. It's okay to be successful enough. And I mean, this is this is what makes this such a an emotionally true story when it comes to sort of the rise and the fall and the rise when it comes to so many of these stories that the the guy who wants it all rarely wins because he overextends himself and he falls. And it's a lesson that has been repeated over and over and yeah. over again. Yeah. And one of those things where it, it's a story that'll never get boring because it is human nature to want as much as you can possibly get if you're of that mentality. You, it's, it's important to have the self-restraint to go, you know, even for guys like Steve and I, like running our websites and doing what we do, we're never going to be the Hollywood Reporter. We're never going to be IndieWire. And it's kind of important to know that. But at the same time, we, we still need to be able to grow and evolve and succeed and sort of put in the work that we need to and say no when we need to and be not nice when we need to sometimes. But it's no, it's really knowing the difference. I mean, I would ultimately say you can be nice in this world to a point. Then you have to know when to not be nice. And I mean, I know I'm pulling that from a movie, but it's it's very accurate. It's from uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I think, isn't it? It's, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very Glenn, this, like, he could easily be in that play, <laughs> this guy here. Uh, well, you know, and, and it just, it just goes to show that uh, we're not, we're not so quote unquote, polite and nice here as people think. I mean, this has been often a very American kind of story, Wolf of Wall Street. And then of course, Wall Street, the other one, so many of these sharks who will do anything to succeed including be corrupt and fall um we have our share of guys here like that too and women <laughs> men and women like that right so so there you go maybe maybe that will be an eye-opener of uh uh the messiness of canadians <laughs> you know? no and i love i love i love the glenn gary comparison as well because i mean really when you think about it the jay baruchel character like you know people want to will want to think of uh, Pacino or Ed Harris. It's like, yeah. no, he's Jack. Yeah. He's he's the Jack Lemon character. Right. 
That's true. Yeah. Because who who was the one who was corrupt in the end? <laughs> Lemon. Who are you? Yeah. Right. Yep. And Harris, but yeah. But it's knowing how it's no it's like making peace. It's like doing it for the right reason and doing it for the wrong reason. He thought he was doing it for the right reason. Because right. I mean, we had the success and we got to keep it going. The the other character, like you know, the other characters were just going for greed. Mike Mike Lazaridis was doing it because his baby was thriving and he needed to do what he could to sort of help keep that going. Whereas Balsilli was in it strictly for the greed. He did not give a goddamn about yeah. the phone. He wanted to go buy his hockey team. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because. And actually, it's funny because after I put that question in the group chat, I wondered if it was the right question. The idea of what is success is is maybe maybe the marker because, like you said, Lazaridis, he was happy when they hit five hundred thousand units. You know, slow yeah. growth, no problem. And I think what do they say? Uh, what did they say? Something about I think it's compromise is the death of of quality or something to that effect. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And because, but the compromise isn't just the quality of the phone in this, but the compromise is, is within Mike. Like, yeah, there's a war for his soul in this, in this film. And, and you, you can see the moment where it dies. You know, you watch the moment where it dies. It's sort of slow. And there's sort of this pull and push and pull between him and, and his buddy but then there's this moment where you can you can almost watch his eyes go dead inside. Um, it's 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 like what was Jim always saying to Mike? It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be good enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is exactly. So so being nice. I mean, I think it, it's funny. I have a friend, and his business is called Leading with Nice. You know, it's like. Um, it's a question like I think you can I absolutely I mean obviously I'm in favor of nice like <laughs> you know I'm, I'm all, all for it um but the marker of success may determine that and what you define is what it what it means to be successful yes um maybe maybe an even bigger and better question because nice does have a ceiling not being nice doesn't. No, but it has a huge basement. <laughs> exactly. Not, not being nice may not be. There may be a limit to it, but I'll tell you, there's a huge fall down when you when you. The sky's the limit, but so is the plummet. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> and of course, none of these guys saw any jail time, which, of course, <laughs> crazy to me. You know, I mean, we saw that in the Wolf of Wall Street, too. I mean, it's just like, hey, you're rich. You can compromise your way out of this. Uh, we'll make a deal. You know, meanwhile, if they didn't have any money, they'd probably still all be in jail <laughs> to make that deal right. So that's just the unfortunate way, the way uh, of the way the way the world works. Uh, one One thing that I hope. I don't know if you guys, I don't know how often people have been saying this. I did notice some people saying, uh, oh, this is the best Canadian film ever made. And hey, maybe that's true. I, I don't personally feel it is. But the problem I have with, <laughs> the problem I have with, with that is that it gives people the impression that 
we don't have some kind of a rich history. And if anyone today said, oh, this is the greatest American film ever made of something new came out, I think even the general public, even if you're not a film person, you would laugh, you know? But here we don't laugh at this you know, because we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's probably true, you know, because the quote unquote Canadian films have never been good. This, this you know, way of, unfortunate way of thinking that not everybody has, but generally people unfortunately have who don't know any better. And I just hope people stop saying that because it's like, come on. I mean, you know, it's, it's a great film. It's going to do great things, I'm sure. And like Dave said, hopefully will inspire people to go see more Canadian films and go see how, you know, if we've, we've had great films from the start, but I just hope people stop saying that because it's like, it's such a, it's such a, um, what's the word? Clickbait kind of thing, you know? It'll get nominated for a slew of Canadian Screen Awards next year and probably not win any. I could see Howerton winning one. I could see that. It, I mean, he, you know, as much as I, I fired a couple of shots earlier, I mean, he's, he's a, he, like I said, he's a force of nature. I could see you him. You sure winning. not Glenn Powell? You sure it's not Glenn Powell? <laughs> Glenn Powell is great in everything he does, and I don't want to take anything away from his fantastic career. <laughs> Sorry, Glenn. <laughs> if your name is Glenn, I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what, uh, guys? I'd let, is there anything else you want to talk about with this film? No, that's all I had. But thanks. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for having having me on to discuss it. I'm glad I got a chance to review it and see it so the great chat i'm glad i'm glad you did we're not quite done we have screen it or skip it so blackberry oh screen it or <laughs> wait a minute you've been here before <laughs> that's right i forgot about that it's definitely a screen it definitely for me oh it's a it's a screen it for me as well as long as you take the internet hyperbole around it with a certain degree of salt as it were and if you've never seen a matt johnson film before right <laughs> now i'm curious <laughs> <laughs> no i i it's a screen for me i thought it was i thought it was a ton of fun um i i i want to watch it a second time because this the weirdest thing about this film is how much of it I actually sort of remember hearing about happening. So I sort of connected with it a little differently. It also shows my age that they're making films about my about things I remember now. <laughs> it's like I'm at this point. Um, you, when I was in the 90s, I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened in the 70s. Yeah, I don't remember that. And now they're like, oh, yeah, this is what happened 20 years ago. Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> and see it in theaters, everybody. Even though it's going to be out yes. on VOD in about three weeks, definitely please yes. see it. That's important. Yeah. It's been a great story. I'm not gonna. I'm just the film itself. I will say it's a great story because it's nice to hear whatever we say about Canadian mindset. It's nice to hear about a Canadian film getting recognition. I, I like hearing that. Um, Me too. Okay, and I mean, let's 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 keep recognition sort of in perspective as well. I mean, it's it maybe got six hundred screens in the states, so it's not like it's gone out to five thousand theaters. Hey, Patton Oswalt, the, he did uh, he tweeted about it, and he said it was just fire. Like you should take a look at his stream on his Twitter. 
uh, for people that still use Twitter, Patton Oswalt was all over this film. Like he just thought it was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. He 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 gave it some uh, some good notoriety. Uh, yeah, there's a few other high profile filmmakers as well who really enjoyed it. So I mean, again, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Yep. Before we wrap up, gents, I'm going to put you on the spot and say I'm going to let you list up to three favorite Canadian films that you enjoy. Up to three. Not as, in not in, in no particular order. For me, going down the road, the Ernie game, and um, nobody waved goodbye. Oldies but goodies. And I'm not Damn even right. I'm not even. I'm going to admit that I've never heard of any of those. I admit it. To my shame. Now for, get on the NFL streamer that- right now. <laughs> Or available huh? on uh, Blu-ray from our friends over at Canadian International yes. Pictures. Yes, good for the good on those guys. But right. I mean, my three would probably end up being Don McKellar's Last Night, uh, Jean-Marc Vallée's Café de Flore. Ah, yeah. Uh, and uh, ooh, you're putting me on the spot here. I got to pick a third one. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, the sweet hereafter, Adam McGoyan, or or even you know what, I'm gonna go for and break the rules. I'm gonna say uh, Sarah Polly's stories we tell as well is just oh, a fantastic brilliant. piece of cinema. Brilliant, yeah. The stories we tell is just remarkable. I love stories yeah. we tell. Um, yeah, you guys, you guys are gonna hate my picks, I'm sure, but uh, I really like One Week. Um, and okay. you're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's got uh, oh, why can't the... oh Josh Jackson? I was, oh, was Josh Jackson, right yeah, the lead singer. It's of the not a bad movie. movie. I, I kid, I kid. I oh, remember better. when this came out. Um, it gets better because honestly, this I can. Wa- I've watched this film so many times, and everybody I showed it to has enjoyed it. So just bear with me. It's not a challenging film, but I love the F word. Um, just as a okay. as oh a yeah, lighthearted and. Uh, Oh man, I I might I I'm gonna say Dance Me Outside. I love Dance Me Outside. Um, from uh, early '90s, or anything by Bruce. It's McDonald. not the best Bruce McDonald choice, but okay. I I love I okay. What's the you didn't say pork you didn't say Porky, so that's fine. Didn't say I'm just looking. Oh yeah, 1994. Oh yeah, down yeah. I, I have not seen this one. It's a good film, and put uh, that on my watch list. Um, it's not hardcore logo by any stretch, but it is. Uh, oh, bro, that's another great one. Monty Pool, though, for Bruce McDonald fans, that's that's my personal favorite. <clears throat> really? Okay. Um, uh, guys, this is always fun, and this has been really fun. I I love this conversation. Thank you for for being a part of this. Um, my pleasure. Sell your wares. Um, how, where, how can I not let Rob go first? I mean, he's gone first every time. I'm just time. jumping. So, it's it's very Canadian of you. Look at look at look at you welcoming. I'm just, I just know now the order. I'm just going to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> so at Twitter, I am at rb at the movies, uh, and then Facebook and Instagram are both the same. It is my YouTube channel name at Robert Bellissimo at the movies. And the same on YouTube, like I said, youtube.com slash Robert Bellissimo at the movies, where I hold my uh, vlogcast, I suppose it's called, YouTube video podcast, film reviews and interviews with 
people who work in the industry. So you can check me out there. Give me a sub on YouTube as well. Great. And Dave? And as always, my name is Dave Voigt, and I'm the editor and publisher over at InTheSeats.ca, all your latest and greatest uh, home for all everything basically the moving image has to offer, film, television, everything else in between. But I am also the host and producer of our companion podcast called In The Seats With, where I sit down with a wide-ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals, and I pick their brain on current projects, state of the industry, how they got started, and so very much more in a light and in a conversational fashion. You can find us on all of your major podcast providers like Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and plus if you can uh, give us a, a like and subscribe over at our In The Seats YouTube channel where we archive every single one of our episodes, we would absolutely appreciate that too. I absolutely, you are two of my favorite subscribes and I, uh, I say that not just because you're here, but I, I do appreciate, <laughs> I do appreciate all the content, amazing content you guys put out. Uh, and as always, you can find us wherever podcasts are available, uh, wherever your favorite podcast is, you can find us. And if you go to YouTube and look up Screenfish, you can like and subscribe to us as well. Um, smash that subscribe button. Um, and uh, where you will find, in both cases, you'll find lots of great interviews with uh, also with industry professionals and Screenfish Radio, fantastic conversations with fantastic people, which I absolutely love. And if you go to the podcast page on our website, screenfish.net, you can download Fishing for More, some conversation questions that can help you get the conversation started where you are uh, for films or for, for Blackberry or a host of other films as well. So guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And for you at home, we started the conversation. This was Screenfish. And we'll be back for episode 199, 211, 231, 257, and so on and so forth. You guys are just you guys are just making this your home now. Is uh, <laughs> I just call you up and like can you can home home away from home home away from home? Yeah. Every now and then I'll message you. Have you can you see a movie for me? <laughs> yeah. <you> oh. <laughs>